Oh, isn't it fun being saved? Isn't it just a blast being a child of God? You know, if we, uh, if we consider what's going on in the world today, and uh, uh, don't want to spend too long dwelling on that, but uh, uh, that's, uh, that's basically, and I was talking to a dear brother in Christ this morning kind of about this same thing. Folks, why is the world so angry? Why is the world so upset? Why is everybody just vicious and cruel and all that? They're lost. They're lost. Lost people act like lost people. They have no other way, no other means of, 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 of conducting life. So as we see the world spiraling down out of control, it's just because they don't have Christ in their life. That's what sets the church apart. You know? How many of you in here this morning have had problems throughout your life? Isn't that something? So God didn't spare us from sorrow and grief and struggles and trials and tribulations, but boy, hadn't he been good getting us through them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, happy Mother's Day uh, to all, and uh, uh, just a great day of family, family celebration. This is an oldie but a goodie, and I'd like to begin with it. When the Lord was creating mothers, he was into his sixth day and on overtime. When an angel appeared and said, you're doing a lot of fiddling around on this one. And the Lord said, have you read the specs on this one? She has to be completely washable, but not plastic. Have 180 movable parts, all replaceable, run on black coffee and leftovers, have a lap that disappears when she stands up, a kiss that can cure anything from a broken leg to a disappointed love affair, and six pair of hands. The angel shook her head slowly and said, six pairs of hands? No way. And the Lord said, it's not the hands that are causing me the problem, said the Lord. It's the three pairs of eyes that mothers have to have. That's on the standard model, said the angel. The Lord nodded. One pair that sees through closed doors when she asks, what are you kids doing in there? When she already knows. Another here in the back of her head that sees what she shouldn't, but what she has to know. And of course, the ones here in the front that can look at a child when he goose up and say, I understand, I love you. Without so much as uttering a word, Lord, said the angel, touching his sleeve gently. Rest for now. Tomorrow's another day. I can't, said the Lord. I'm so close to creating something close to myself. I already have one who heals herself when she's sick, can feed a family of six on a pound of hamburger, and can get nine-year-old to stand under a shower. The angel circled the model of the mother very slowly. She's soft, too, she sighed. But tough, the Lord Sidedly said, you cannot imagine what the mother can do or endure. The angel said, can she think? Not only think, but she can reason and compromise, said the creator. Finally, the angel bent over and ran her finger across the cheek and said, there's a leak. 
I told you, you were trying to put too much into this model. Oh, it's not a leak, the Lord said. It's a tear. What's it for, said the angel. It's for joy, sadness, disappointment, pain, loneliness, and pride. You're a genius, said the angel. And the Lord somberly said, I didn't put it there. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. What do you think when you hear those words? And on the sarcastic side, what do you think when you hear birthing person day? You see, there's a point to that. The culture, the world, and the devil himself want to replace and destroy everything that is beautiful. Everything that God has made. Culture wants to erase the beauty and the miracle of motherhood and erase any term that might even describe the beauty of that person as created by God. But I wonder what we think most about on Mother's Day, and I want us to consider this a minute by, by way of introduction. Do we still think of a simple, orderly life where the family gathers around the table every meal in the dining room of a modestly decorated home surrounded by a white picket fence? Do we live in a father-knows-best or leave-it-to-beaver world? That probably lost several of you in here, too. Is this the world where everybody begins once upon a time and lives happily ever after? You see, the point is God's plan for the home has never changed. The ideal consists of one man, one woman, committed the life together in union of marriage till death do they part. What an ideal world. A Norman Rockwell portrait of a perfect society. But I want you to know, folks, that many of us and many people that we have known did not live happily ever after. They did not live in a castle on a cloud. They did not get glass slippers and be Cinderella for a night. We live and minister in a real world, my friends, a real world where dreams are dashed and hopes are smashed. We live and minister in a world where people struggle to keep going. In our world, two out of every three mothers work outside the home. Four out of five school-aged uh, and, and have, four out of five have school-aged children. The real tragedy of our day is so many churches are ministering to the, Roman, the, uh, the Norman Rockwell portrait, the ideal. There's going to be people that will leave here today saying, what was that all about? That's okay. I'll let the Holy Spirit have that. But I can assure you God has laid a very heavy message on my heart that I hope is full of hope for this broken world. And this message may not be for you or you or you, but it may be for someone in here. Or it may be for someone you know. But I believe God has given us this message. We need to build a wall as high as we can and as thick as we can make it to keep people from falling over these 
these cliffs of divorce and fractured homes and broken families. And while we're building those walls, we gotta, we got to keep the ambulance at the bottom ready to catch them when they fall at the same time. To bind up lives that have been battered and hearts that have been broken. A number of those who are outside the church are single working mothers with broken hearts and broken dreams. In our modern society, even Christian mothers are being both mom and dad, some of them working two jobs, while at the same time going to ball games, driving carpools, cleaning houses, mowing yards, and trying to keep the kids in church. In many ways, Mother's Day is a difficult time for a lot of people. There are a lot of moms in the Bible we can hold up as role models. We, we have Naomi and Hannah and Shunammite woman and Ruth and, of course, the Virgin Mary and Eve herself. But on this Mother's Day, by way of a lengthy introduction, we are going to bring to center stage a woman who is seldom mentioned, and her name is Hagar. My hat is off to her on this Mother's Day. Hagar teaches us a lot about overcoming, especially in the world of single motherhood. She is a young and attractive. She was hardworking. She got pregnant before she was ready. Her husband abandoned her and her son. She lost her job. She had no friends. Her family was a long way away, but God came to her side and rescued her. And I want you to know if you're here today and you're a struggling mother, God is ready to help you. God is ready to help you. Let's stand as we read from the Word of God this morning. Genesis chapter 16. The sermon will come in, in two sections of Scripture so that we can capture the entire event. Genesis chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant. It may be that I shall obtain a child by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived, in, lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And Sarai dealt harshly with her. And she fled from her, verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, a spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Isn't that a great question to ask? That's a great question. She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael 
because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Important. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Beur Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Father, we have a lot of text to cover this morning, but all I ask is you bring it to a good point, Lord. Help us to understand how all of this applies to the broken world that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today I am compelled to speak to struggling mothers and, and, and to all mothers, but specifically the ones that have had the heartbreak of rebellious children or husbands that were MIA. Broken homes where once upon a time is not an ending and happily ever after. Most of us all want to encourage every mother to be who God created to you to be, not that what this current evil world is trying to force you to be. Stand up today, not literally, but stand up and be a woman. Do you hear me? Be a woman. A woman created in the image and likeness of God. How precious is that? It's okay to say, I am a woman, and you don't need to break out in song on that. I digress a few decades there, too. Hagar is in a world of hurt. Sarai, Abram's wife, was barren, but she had a plan. Let Abram bear a child through her servant, Hagar, an Egyptian servant woman. And that didn't work out too well, did it, folks? Does anyone know why this plan didn't work real well? It wasn't God's plan at all. It wasn't God's plan at all. And that shows us what can happen when you take things into your own control. And I assure you, and I will be redundant in this and coming back, that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to take control or at least live under the delusion that we are in control. Sarah had pain. She was childless. Sarah has a plan, substitution. Hagar, Hagar is faced with a dilemma, and it's all because of Sarai's decision. And then Hagar suffers the consequence she is taken advantage of, she's rejected, she's abandoned, and she's pregnant, running away and nowhere to go. And the Lord showed up. The Lord showed up. So we've set the stage or the scene. We're going to fast forward about 14 years. And I want to read to you from chapter 21. 
Now the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord said to Sarah as he had promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abram circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And he said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman for her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And when she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I want to pause just for a moment, folks, because I want us to be reminded. I know this is getting a little bit lengthy, but we're making progress. These aren't characters in a play. These aren't actors on some kind of a stage or program. These are real people, just like you and I. Real people facing life's difficulties, trying to make the best decision they can. Real people making terrible decisions and facing and suffering through the consequence. But these are real people that are also going to find out just who God is and how faithful he can be. So please listen attentively. Verse 15, when the water and the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot, for she said, let me not look on the death of my child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and she wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. Did you see that? Has anybody picked up on that yet? We got Hagar sitting opposite him. She lifted up her voice and wept, and God heard the voice of the boy. We got everybody looking for help, don't we? And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up! Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and he became an expert with a bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Mothers, I want to encourage you today. Lift up your children. Lift up your children children because the world is trying to beat them down lift them up have you noticed in this entire narrative 
Abraham and Sarah never called Hagar by her name. She was only referred to as a servant or a maidservant. God, the angel of the Lord, is the first one that addressed her by her name. Your value is not determined by the world who would disassume you remain nameless. God values womanhood and cherishes motherhood. Hagar had a name and God knew it. She was somebody in God's eyes. I do not why, again, why the Lord laid this message on my heart. Please allow me to continue. Let's finish our story. Number one, please note the plight of many mothers today. The plight. Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. Think about this. A foreigner, a foreign woman bearing a child of mixed race, Hebrew and Egyptian, sent out into the wilderness, sent out into the wilderness with nothing but a, a, a skin of water and some bread. Hagar's hurting. She's hurting. Abraham was not a bad man. He made mistakes. He got into situations and to make some hard choices. He loved Ishmael, the son of Hagar, and there was no real joy in this separation but the Bible says he sent her away. He sent her away. These are tough words. She knew how it felt to be rejected, and so did the boy. He loved his dad, but his dad sent him away. Talk about hurting. Hagar was on her own. There was no one to help. No one to make decisions. No one to fix the car or repair the faucet. Yeah, dads, we can still do things like that around the house. She had no real direction. She did not know where she was going or what she was going to. Her purpose in life had been lost. This is the plight of many modern mothers. Do you see Hagar hurting in the wilderness? Again, listen to me. How many of you know a mother like that right now? No hands, please just think about it. How many of you know a mother like that? These are the mothers we got to reach, folks. These are the mothers that got to find out that they have value, that they have purpose, and there's a God that loves them. That's the church's responsibility to reach these mothers. And our world is full of them, and it's growing exponentially. Single parenting, single mothers. As I said, I'm probably not speaking to many here in this congregation this morning, and that's okay. But I hope this message finds its way to the mother that needs to hear it. God loves them. And we got to start reaching out to the broken, the disenfranchised, the separated, the, the rejected, the ridiculed, the less than desirables. Folks, we gotta, we got to start getting our hands dirty with ministry and reaching these people. We've got to get out of our, our sterile environments and start looking for those who are broken, those who are devastated by life circumstances. And it may not be their fault. Oh, there's always some responsibility, but there, there are victims. There are victims. God sees them. Do we? Do we? 
Hagar was hungry. We not only see her hurting, but we see her hungry. The Bible says there was water and the skin was used up, and, the place, and she placed the boy under the shrubs. It was bad enough to be hurting. Now the supplies have run out. She's hungry. Her resources have gone dry. The emotional strain is complicated by physical pain. Hagar finds herself like many modern mothers. She's hurting without protection and hungry without provision. And Hagar is hopeless. Hopeless. She wept. She wept. Does anybody identify with Hagar on this Mother's Day? I want to ask you this honest question. Is there anyone who's gone into the privacy of a bedroom and shut the door and just sat down and sobbed? God had allowed Hagar and her son to come to the point where they no longer could endure by their own strength. Hagar's plight is the plight of some mother somewhere right now. Maybe today is not so much about physical as much as it might be social or emotional, but especially spiritual hunger. Secondly, let's consider the fight for many mothers today. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy. Where is he? Up, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand for I will make him into a great nation. The Lord shows up, and what's he do? He immediately raises the expectations. My, I may not just die here. I may actually live through this. He raises the expectations. Mothers, husbands, fathers, families, let God raise your expectations this morning. Let him raise the expectations that, to the level that he has for us, the plans that he has for us. Don't look at the world and, and measure our expectations by what society is doing. God is all above that. All above that. In these verses, we see her expectation. She sat and wept. And the angel came and said, fear not. Where have you heard those words before? How about to a distressed young teenager who has found herself pregnant and wed or pledged to be wed to a man named Joseph? Fear not. Fear not. It's interesting that the Lord tells her that he has heard the prayers of Ishmael, her son. One of the things that tugs at the heart of God are prayers of children. Prayers of children. Fear not. God has heard your prayers. Secondly, the Lord encourages her. He encourages her. The Lord told her to get up, hold the boy in her hand, and I'll make him a great nation. How many moms are fighting today to lift their kids up? There is so much around us in our culture that strips away our pride and incentive. So many children feel worthless. They have no mom or dad to lift them up. All some young people here in the, in the news, in the world, and maybe even in the home, is you're just not worth much. And it may not be in those words. It's in actions and conduct. We have raised a generation of young people who had no one to lift them up. And one of the most important things you can do as a parent today and a grandparent is to lift up our children. 
lift up your children. Can you see her put her arm around a boy? Just a moment ago, she had separated from him so he wouldn't see the suffering and the sorrow. Now she draws him close and she lifts him up. Finally, the might of many mothers, the might. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. God's provision. God's provision. Do you see the provision? Here was a woman who was agonizing with no apparent resources. And all the while, there was a well within eye, within view. She just had to get refocused. Refocused. Hagar's condition expresses the spiritual state and condition of many mothers on this Mother's Day. They're hurting, they're hungry, and they're feeling hopeless. Many are wandering without knowledge that there's a well right there. There's a well right there. Hagar, look. Think about it for a moment. That well had been there all the time, hadn't it? Have you ever been so desperate? Have you ever been so down, so, con- so, so overwhelmed? You had just given up and you cannot see the solution right in front of you? Have you ever been there? That's where Hagar's at. The well's been there all the time. She just couldn't see it. She just couldn't see it. Oh, that God would open the eyes of mothers that are in this situation and show them the well of everlasting life. There are a lot of moms on Mother's Day who can testify that they would never have made it without the Lord's help. The fact is, God showed them the well also, didn't he? God opened Hagar's eyes and showed her a well, but she had to do three things. She had to draw the water, she had to drink, and she had to pass the cup. Folks, that's that's the message for us today. See the well, draw the water, drink, and share the cup. Do you see it? Do you see it? God's promise, God was with the boy, and he grew. You recall there was a woman at a well in Samaria who had been cast out, yet the Lord came to her and rescued her. There was a man in Jericho by the name of Bartimaeus who had been cast out to the side of the road, but Christ came to rescue him. There was a woman in Jerusalem just about to be stoned, an outcast to society, but the Lord Jesus came and rescued her. There was a strange sense in this adversity was a way of building character. There's this strange way that God works through these circumstances. Hagar had help in raising her boy. It was supernatural help. God was with her. Do you see her promise? God was with her. And finally, to summarize this, Lord help us, Hagar's persistence. God gave her the strength to go on. And she had a lasting influence upon the boy until it was time for him to be married. 
She stood with him and then released him to his wife. A single mom in touch with God can overcome every obstacle in her path. Now, folks, I'm not presenting this as the ideal. I'm not, I'm not implying in any way that this is to be the norm. This is not God's plan. This, was, this is not his ideal, his perfect plan, and his will for families. His family is what? One man, one woman, one lifetime, if so blessed, bearing children, adopting children, bringing children in. There are lots of ways to be a mom. <laughs> there is. That's God's ideal. But I want you to understand something. We don't live in an ideal world. And we've got we've to banish that thought from our church ministry. Sometimes our ministry is too idealistic. And it doesn't touch people where they hurt the most. We give them high and lofty ideals, but don't tell them how to get there and help them along life's journey. The Bible records that Ishmael and Isaac actually came back together. Do you know what they came back together for? Anybody remember the story? To bury their dad. They came back together to bury their dad. On Mother's Day, I would like us to remember our responsibility to build families and not just our own families, but be a part of a discipleship ministry that's helping other families build. Let's remember that there are mothers out there that are looking for resources, are looking for hope, and we cannot be selfish with the provisions that God has given us. We cannot be. There are children that have been abandoned. There are children who are not wanted and, and praise God that they weren't aborted. <laughs> I mean, praise God they're alive, but they need homes. They need a mom. They need a dad. Folks, there's so many opportunities for the church to be involved in on Mother's Day. And I don't want to take anything away from the celebration. Please, please forgive me if you felt that. But there's so much we can do to help with the brokenness in our world. So I'm going to encourage you to not get sucked in to the negativity of the news and focus our energy on the good news that Jesus is the answer. Remembering the plight of hurting mothers, remembering their might and their fight, Friday, Connie and I went to town, and we had dinner with our oldest daughter. She didn't walk the path that we would have preferred, but I walked. I love my daughter. She's dying. She's dying. And we had a chance 
to just sit and talk. Maybe the message was for me. But there are a thousand elephants and connies out there. Yeah. And maybe this simply because of our life experience. I have a special burden for this. That's possible. But guys, I am just broken. I am just busted over the condition of our families in this nation. And the conditions of our families in this community and the surrounding communities. It's a mess. And I don't know what God's plan is. I don't know what all the details are yet, but he's calling us to get involved. He's calling us, I'm absolutely certain, to be involved in restoration ministry and helping these families, these single moms, or even moms and dads that are busting their behinds and just can't seem to get above water. I'm sorry. I don't have any more room at my grave spot. I'm asking for your prayers. Connie, would you come up? I hadn't planned on going here. <laughs> I hadn't planned on going here. I want you to beat the best mom in the world. Okay. We may not live happily ever after, but I know where I'm going to be ever after. <laughs> and it's full of joy. It's full of joy. Folks, I'll, please. Pray for families in America. Pray for children who, who are in a system, whether it be education or otherwise, that, that is just tearing them apart and tearing them down. The most dangerous place for your children right now is probably the public education system. Pray for families. Pray for that mom. Pray for that dad. 